expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Ah, here we are at episode 103 of the Down and Nerdy podcast, where we don't use Google for our directions. Anytime anybody ever asks us, we just tell them to go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, and be a start. Exactly. Speaking of Google, we're going to be in the Google Store pretty soon. Yes, yes. Very exciting. That's something that we can announce now. It's not happening yet because they're still kind of rolling everything out, but the folks at Google are going to make podcasts available. We're going to be the first ones on there. We're really excited about that. Second we know, it'll be all over our website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. So it's just one more chance for you to be able to listen to the show. Exactly. Speaking of something that was all over Instagram and Twitter and social media was, of course, our interview last week with Nathan Darrow. Of course, he plays Victor Freeze and Mr. Freeze and Gotham and man. This show, you want to talk about a show that just kicks it up a notch every week. I mean, Lucifer is one, but hell, a lot of the Fox shows kick it up every week, and Gotham is sure one of them. And what's funny is is that the, the Fox shows seem to be some of the most criticized of all the shows right. on TV for some reason. They are making, especially on Monday, some killer tv between gotham and lucifer and gotham the, the game has changed now i mean what hugo strange and now mr freeze the game's changing exactly so much going on right now exactly i think the reason why they get criticized a lot too is mostly because if you look at what they're doing in terms of lucifer and gotham they're ones that are kind of going off script when it comes to the source material they're, i mean they're sticking still sticking to it in parts but a lot of it is like, hey, let's just do our own thing. And that's fine because it's worked. Yeah, and not only that, but it's like people can't wrap their mind around the fact that Gotham is so far before Batman that there really isn't much of a script to go by in the first place. I mean, right. there's been bits and pieces in comics over the years, but there hasn't really been a legit full story. So I, it's to me, it's hard to criticize something that there's really not that much source material for other than like ages of characters and stuff like that. I mean, I guess you could nitpick that a little bit, but other than that, I mean, I just think sit back and enjoy because there's some good stuff going on right now, Fox. Exactly. But turning our focus to CBS, just want to give a quick shout out and congratulations to our friend David Harewood, of course, plays Hank Henshaw and Martian Manhunter on Supergirl and the whole cast and crew of Supergirl because CBS decide, hey, we're going to renew all of our freshman shows season, and of course, Supergirl is one of them, and I got season two, so it's coming up, and I mean, it's not a surprise, but it's, it's still a congratulations is in order. Well, I mean, we were kind of, we were a little bit worried, because remember when the show was coming out, we talked about right. the big budget and everything, but I think what they've done with what they've been given has been pretty spectacular, and we've got the crossover coming up with The Flash soon, sometime yeah. this month, so looking forward to that, and hey... Let's just talk about another network. Let's just run the gambit and talk about ABC. Exactly. So this week we have, of course, Luke Mitchell, who, of course, plays Lincoln on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's going to be our guest this week. We're going to talk everything about the premiere and just Lincoln and where his mindset is. It's going to be a really, really fun interview. You know, it's funny because I think that this is kind of the point we've waited for in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We talked about before how we loved the Inhuman storyline and what they were actually doing. We were surprised how good it was. So now we're kind of going to get... The Secret Warriors. We're going to get to talk about that. And I think this is where it's really, you know, we're going to push, almost kind of push Hydra out of the way. And, mm -hmm. you know, Ward is Hive now. I think we can talk about that because it's everywhere. 
Yeah. Um, and we can get the Secret Warriors and start to see that melding together between S.H.I.E.L.D. and Inhuman. So I think it's really going to be cool going forward. Exactly. And like I said, I know, you know, when we did our review of the season finale, we're like, listen, you had us, and then you just lost us. What happened with, with Ward? But now that he's, we know that he's not going to be Ward, now that he's going to be Hive, and I think they're going to probably end up changing his look as the season progresses, uh, I'm fine with it. Like, you know... Well, we're going to ask Luke Mitchell about that. I've already decided I'm asking about how people hate Ward or you yeah. love to hate Ward. We're going to ask him about it and we'll see what he says because I'm very curious because that's kind of how we felt like, oh, why won't you die? I hate yeah. you. So we'll ask him about it. <laughs> that's going to do it for our intro. But come next, we have two new comics to review this week. What we're reading is coming next right here on the Down Nerdy Podcast. This is Nathan Darrow from Gotham on Fox and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds, we pull out our long boxes, we discuss what we're reading this week. Of course, this segment is always brought to you by the fine folks over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards on Aragorn Boulevard in Virginia Beach. Go see Bob and all the great things he has for your nerd heart and nerds that you love. So, James, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Sure, I'll go first this week. Okay. I decided to go the Vertigo route this week. A little something different. It's called Dark and Bloody. Actually, The Dark and Bloody from <laughs> Vertigo, written by Sean Aldridge. Scott Godlewski is the artist. Tyler Cook did an amazing cover for this. Patricia Mulvihill did the covers, and then Clem Robbins did the did the letters. Now... Just a little bit of backstory on this, since this is issue two. This is actually set in the deep woods in the holler of Kentucky. And <laughs> we're talking about, and, I'm, and I say it that way because it's written that way, kind of. Um, but uh, we're talking about a guy named Iris, who's, he's got a family, he kind of is trying to live a normal life. He served his country in Afghanistan, I mean, uh, in Iraq, with a bunch of different soldiers. But he's starting to have these weird dreams, where he's being attacked by all these otherworldly beings, and suddenly a couple of his friends are missing, and he doesn't really know what's going on, so he seems kind of haunted by his past, especially by this giant albatross-looking bird thing. So it's kind of like he's having PTSD, but it's kind of more like an outworldly version of it? In a weird way, yeah. It almost seems like, it's almost like you could pass it off as PTSD. Okay. So it's a little bit of a different take, whereas you would think this would be PTSD. He's actually being attacked by some demons and haunted by something, but people are like, you know, it could just be from the war kind of thing. Right. Kind of bad so it's almost like they're passing off, like, no, I'm legit being attacked. And I need help. <laughs> and it, it kind of comes into a head in the second issue, which I love that they didn't kind of waste time with it, where he even thinks, okay, I just need some air. Then he goes outside and he gets attacked. He's like, what is going on? And it turns out that the friends that he, that everybody thinks are missing aren't really missing, but I don't want to really give anything away because, again, we don't want to spoil anything in the issue. And now the sheriff is suspicious because, of course, he's looking for these guys and he's kind of suspecting him a little bit because he know he knows that, this, that Iris knew him. But here's the other kicker. One of the guys that he served with in Iraq who was kind of like the a-hole mm-hmm. of, the, of the group who was the little bit more aggressive one, he works with him now in Kentucky. So there might be a connection there, and he still treats him like garbage, too. And then there's this really... Then uh, what I love about this comic is there's your st- stereotypical old backwoods guy that seems to know everything that's going on in the mystical realm kind of thing. So, so it's kind of like the old man who's just on the campfire fire and says... There's evil out there kind of thing. Exactly. And he's painting stuff on the side of his house. Like, I, 
I knew the, this holler been quite too long. <laughs> and again, it's written that way. So that's why I'm saying it that way. Uh, but his wife, and it's there's a real family dynamic here because he's trying to keep his wife and his son safe at the same time. And his son has a little has a friend that uh, he he's been going out into the woods with and stuff like that, play with. And the dad's kind of like, I don't know if I want you going out there, sort of thing. Now, as the issue progresses, and it's funny because it's the second issue, a lot of stuff starts to come to a head, and then the action just starts coming fast and furious. Is that? Sorry to cut you off, but is that because is this like a limited series or is this a continuing ongoing? I can't remember if it's a six or an eight part series, but yes, it is a limited series. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if this there's if this is one of those deals where you know we could be talking about there's there could be a volume two coming or something like okay. that after the run's over. They didn't really make that clear, but I'll tell you what the so, there's something that really comes to a head at the very end of this issue, and what's funny is is that. His family witnesses it, so including the son. So I don't know if this is going to be one of those deals where, okay, everybody's finally starting to believe him now and it's suddenly it's real, or it's one of those things where now everybody's going to be traumatized or what's going on. So I like the fact that they're leaving it ambiguous. You're not really sh- you're, you're sure of what's going on because you see it in the pages, but you're not really sure how they're going to carry the story forward. So, And one thing I will say is, I was, and we were talking about this off the air about I was kind of drawing parallels to Harrow County a little bit because it's got a little bit similar setting, but the story is different. And I was wondering if there was going to be similar themes there. Of course, Harrow County from Dark Horse, totally different comic, totally different story, totally different situation. It's just in a similar setting. So I, I actually really dug this comic. I wasn't really sure about it. It was one of those things where, you know, the publisher sends you this to say, hey, read this and see what you think. Now, this is not normally something I'd pick up off the shelf, even though this is a genre that I've enjoyed in the past. But I can tell you, man, I was really surprised by this and i'm actually looking forward to reading more from this series so this is a pull for me really so i mean how's the art in this because that's one thing we haven't really sp- talked the, about the art is spot on man i mean the detail is right there especially in the action sequences and right. when you're i mean i know i i i know that vertigo is an arm of dc so they're not like an indie publisher but it's almost like you're the you're the imprint you're not the main print so you know sometimes right. things might get lost in the shuffle there but i gotta tell you man the detail in this art by Scott Godlewski is pretty awesome. And even the cover by Tyler Cook is really, really good. So they know how to pick the right artists to go with their stories of Vertigo. I will say that. They definitely have a long history of that. All right. Well, that was your choice this week. But mine is I decided to kind of – I love Samurais. I mean, when I was in film school, one of my favorite things to watch was – I believe it's called Seven Samurai – uh, I love the old black and white samurai films and oh, everything yeah. like that. Those are great. So, of course, when we got sent to a samurai number one from Titan Comics, I knew I had to dive into this. Now, here's the thing about the comic. It's an eight-part series, so it's a limited series. Now, it fought, now it's written by Jean-Francois de Giorgio, and the art is done by Frédéric Genet. And the thing is about this book is that it follows a samurai by the name of Takeo. Now, he is a young samurai. He's pretty much coming off of his triumph in battle, pretty much to save Imperial Japan from a treacherous general. And pretty much now what he's doing now, where it follows up with him, is that he's on what's called the Isle with No Name, and he's looking for his brother. And he, what's cool about this is that the art is really drawn to make it look ancient. Oh, like, nice. I like which that. Which is really cool. Like, you go inside, like, a dojo or a, uh, a temple or something like that, and you see, like, an old kind of drawings kind of thing. 
it kind of looks like that, which is awesome. So it gives you that nice uh, sense of, of, of realism, I it would makes say. It a, so it kind of makes it a period piece then. Yeah, very much so. Nice. And and uh, he, so he's on this island, and one thing he realizes as he's on this island is that there's a sickness that's going around, and nobody knows what it is and stuff like that. It's pretty much they're saying it's a cursed island on here. And every year, this is where it gets really interesting. Every year on this island is a tournament where this Yakuza-esque gang comes to this island and says, we're going to have our champion face off against your champion. If your champion beats our Yakuza champion, you don't have to pay a tithe to us. If you lose, you have to pay us a bunch of money. Wow. And so that's pretty interesting. And, of course, you know, the Yakuza's always won the tournament. They've never lost. But, however, this follows some very similar beats to where I'm, like, a little bit put off by it a little bit. Because I'm saying, okay, here's a guy who has one certain mission, but yet he sees this going on. The people are probably going to ask him, are you going to be our champion? Or will you be our champion to take on this gang? Uh, he has a brush in with them in the beginning. Of course, you know, as we've seen like movies, like for example, we've seen the movie, the rundown with the rock. There's a scene where he goes into that Brazilian town and he pretty much, uh, rub butts heads with the second or third in command there. And then, you know, as always there's a bar scene where second or third command comes in with a bunch of guys that happens in this, you know. I mean, even into the Badlands, samurai. even into the Badlands that we just saw on AMC not too long ago had a kind of a similar happening in the right. first episode of that as well. Yeah, right. But here's where it does get interesting, though, is that there is this other character, this champion that the Yakuza have, and he kind of strikes up a bond with the main character in this, and it's really, really interesting where he strikes up this bond with Takeo, and you're like. Oh my God! If these two have to meet in the tournament, how is Takeo going to take this? And the great thing about this other guy—I can't think of his name off the top of my head—but his backstory and the reason why he is the samurai, this, this warrior-esque, is so sad. Oh, like, wow. like I mean, I'll tell you off air because if I tell you, it's very spoilery as to why this guy kind of is who he is right now. Um, who Takeo is, is probably going to face off with as the series goes on. Um, like I said, the writing does follow some certain tropes that we've seen in a lot of, like, new person coming to kind of an unfamiliar world kind of thing. And it, it follows those things. The writing, um, it's not boring. It's just, I think it could be improved a little bit. Um, I think it kind of lags a little bit as well. I mean, there is this mystery of, like, what's causing these people to get sick. You know, I mean, they're coughing up blood and stuff like that. And like I said, the art is phenomenal. But in terms of the writing, I think it could be punched up a little bit better. I think, though, however, as the series goes on, it's going to get better because now, I mean, this guy, this, you know, Takeo, is such a skilled samurai fighter. Like, there's a, for example, this guy comes in, you know, second or third in command. He's like, you embarrass me, and he wants to fight him. And the way that the arch drawn, you think he had like a white whip, pretty much. He's that fast with a sword, and the guy's like bleeding from his nose, pretty much. You see, and the guy's like, and all of a sudden, like, "Yeah, I just hit him with like the butt of my sword. I don't believe in spreading blood at, at lunchtime." Nice. Wow. And so, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you're like, okay, I can't really see the sword fighting, but then you realize these are samurai. They're really fast with yep. the sword, so it looks like a bunch of like white diagonals kind of thing like like picture wind kind of thing like like a gust 
And that's what it looks like when you're swinging a sword. So I'm kind of getting the impression that the colorist on this book really important as well, too, then. Oh, very much so. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. The colorist, of course, is Delphine Ryu, and it, it is beautiful. Like, like you know, it, it's just the way the colors are. I mean, the wood, just like the wood roofs it, are very layered, and it looks amazing. And like I said, it has that look of, like, flashbacky, older and period peace time you walk into a dojo or a temple you see you see something you see probably kind of like on a wall a little bit or maybe like a, a scroll and it's very awesome and it's not gonna lie when people get stabbed with swords they get stabbed with swords on page eight for example uh this guy takes his sword right down the middle of the guy's head wow and it's yeah and it's not cute so what but, he's saying is be ready for that oh be ready for that um, but like I said, the writing can be punched up a little bit. I give this a pickup. Okay. You know, like I said, it's an eight part series, uh, just from the way they, this ended. And I'm very interested in the Yakuza's own champion because because his story, like I said, it's so depressing. And you're like, how could this guy go on? You realize, oh my God, I, you kind of get an idea of me what would happen towards the end with this one character. But again, it, it's very intriguing as it goes on and he really does kick it up more towards the end of the book. All right, so you had a pickup with Samurai number one from Titan Comics, and I had a pull. It's Vertigo's The Dark and Bloody. That was issue two that I did, not issue number one from them. So, I mean, either way, it looks like you're going out to pick pick up a couple new comics now. Exactly. That's going to do it for what we're going to become next. It's This Week in Geektainment. And we have a new trailer to discuss, and we'll talk more about that going forward. Hey, guys, this is IDW senior staff writer and editor Tom Waltz. You are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The anticipation's building, and it was building, and you just kind of feel it that it was coming. And here we are, a brand new trailer for Captain America, Civil War, and Nick. This is kind of the one we've been waiting for, I think. Well, there's there's one name we've been looking for for many, many years. Oh, I know where you're going with this. And in a long time, Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, I, I was mean, so happy. I was so happy to get when William Hurst just showing him those slides of like New York, uh, this place, you know, the city from Age of Ultron, and you're like, God, because that man grows just not a better mustache. Like he, uh, there was just no better mustache in Hollywood than Thunderbolt Ross. The only person that has a better mustache game than that is Rafa Albuquerque in the comics world. <laughs> yeah, Let's just put that much. out there right now. Pretty much, but I mean, I mean, Thunderbolt Ross is just fantastic. But you know, there was somebody else in this trailer that we've been looking forward to a lot more, and Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, yeah, and the Vision, and okay, let's just get to it right now. Spider Man's in the trailer. Let's just get to it right now, uh-huh. and we just want to let you know that our reactions would not coincide with Steve Rogers's language. You know, censorship. So for this review of the trailer, let's break down the trailer. We will be minding our P's and Q's. We will be minding our language. Yes, we are respecting Steve Rogers' code. Rogers' <laughs> code for this because, oh my goodness. Well, we were talking wow. about this. Last, this morning, we were talking about this. We were like, okay, they're releasing a new Civil War trailer. Spider-Man is going to be in it. Yep. Like, he has to be. Because Baby Suitman comes out. Next week, I believe it is. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. And it's like, okay, they need to do something. They're going to pull out some big gun here. And we said, and I even said, I go, at the end, you're going to hear a thwip, or you're going to see the web, 
and it's going to be Spider-Man, and it's going to close on him. We had almost the exact verbiage down, too, other than yeah. the whole Underoos comment. We pretty much were, it's like we wrote it. Yeah. So it's, that but, was pretty fun. I mean, it's pretty awesome. You know, we'll go back to Spider-Man in a second, but, you know, start, start from the beginning. You know, of course, you see the whole, as you mentioned, Thunderbolt Ross is showing Steve Rogers and pretty much the Avengers team, or the new Avengers as we saw in Age of Ultron, Scarlet Witch, and so on and so forth. You know, we show them, you know, New York, and then this happened, and this other place where all these attacks happened where the Avengers were, and he says, you know, people are scared, people are worried, and he pretty much says, okay, because remember, this is the thing that's different from this Civil War than from the last, from the actual comic book, where it was a whole registration thing. Now it's more, okay, Avengers, we're going to put this thing into law now where the government has to decide, can we use the Avengers for this, or do we keep you at bay? And it's more, be you know, a, a law about being called It's an oversight committee. Yeah, pretty Basically, much. Basically, yeah. And, and I think that that was a pro- probably a pretty good way to go. I mean, they didn't have to do exactly what they did in the comics. And they're laying a foundation here for, you know, how everybody's going to pick their sides and everything like that. And you see some of the similar battle sequences that we've seen in other trailers. We did see some new footage in here. So I'm just interested to see, because it seems like not just the oversight committee, but they're really painting the picture that Bucky is the reason for this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, or that, or here's what I think is going to happen. Because remember, we see that big explosion at the UN, of course, you know, T'Challa, you know, Black Panther is there, Chadwick Boseman's character. And I think here's what happens. I think Crossbones is responsible for that, but it falls on Winter Soldier. But remember, though, yeah. in the beginning of the trailer, we do see Bucky in Winter Soldier. Form. Right, exactly. But, so, is it one more mission that they send him on? Is it, again, crossbones? And they say, oh, it was when a soldier who was here, but he was trying to stop him from blowing up the UN or whatever. Yeah, I want to talk about crossbones for a second, because doesn't it seem like he's kind of the one that's got lost in the shuffle of these entire right. discussions about this movie? I mean, first of all, he looks awesome. The suit looks really awesome, and it's it's a great character to put in this movie, but it's almost like... He's getting lost in the shuffle, which I'm kind of bummed about. But, of course, you haven't seen the movie yet. Don't know how much he's in it. But I want to see more Crossbones. So I'm glad we got to see a little bit more of him in, in this trailer. Right. And, again, you know, Frank Grill is playing Crossbones. He did a great job in Winter Soldier. And, you know, again, when you see him burned at the end of Winter Soldier, like, oh, my God, he's going to be Crossbones. Yep, yep. And I think they're keeping Crossbones at him. Again, we don't know to what extent he's going to be a main player in the movie. But remember, in the comics, he does kill Steve Rogers. Right, exactly. And I'm not saying I want to see more crossbones and less of the Civil War. No. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying is I want I want everybody to get some good time in this because if that's the way they're going to go, and we don't know for sure, but they did say, you remember, they've been teasing that this is going to change the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. So, I mean, the elephant in the room here is that. It's that Crossbones kills Steve Rogers. And I'm thinking, you know, there could be a whole, oh my gosh, what have we done kind of moment with with Tony Stark and everything like that. Like, wow, has it really come to this? If, in fact, they do kill off Steve Rogers. And then, of course, you've got Sebastian Stan, who's right there. And is it going to follow that mantle where he's going to pick up the shield because he's still got a lot of movies left on that contract. But here's now here's the problem. This is a, this is I think a problem that we're starting to see more with certain Marvel films. Actually, with a lot of Marvel films, there's start where as we get dive deeper into the MCU universe, we're seeing the same beats falling falling. So what's it going to be? Is it going to be the team is divided and then we see 
oh, somebody close to the team dies, and that causes the team to come back together. It happened with Colson. Uh, you know, even if you want to say Gar- with Sil- Quicksilver, yeah, Quicksilver, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Groot and everything like that. It, there's always that one death that mm. brings a person together in the movie. That is true. In a lot of the Marvel movies. That is true. I mean, and, and but I guess this would be different because this is this would be a big one, and maybe. But that's just it. Maybe it doesn't bring the team together. Maybe there's it causes a little bit more of a rift because there's a whole hey, if you hadn't have done this, this wouldn't have happened kind right. of thing. So maybe they decide to go that route. I just well. want to say Black Panther again just looks phenomenal. Like he really it does. Just, his movements and he is a fast dude. Like when that tunnel scene, he's chasing after what was it, Bucky, and he just catches him. I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> like like it looks awesome. Like it's really really cool, but. You know, let's get back to, of course, the uh, main person here that everybody's losing their minds over, including us. And that's Spider-Man, of course. You see Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And it's the Ditko costume with huge to it, which is fine. Uh, and I just, I just want to say this. I'm tired. There's one thing that upsets me, and I hate the most in nerd culture. It's unappreciative nerds. It's yeah. unappreciative fanboys. People are saying, where... The suit CG, wah, too much this, wah, that, wah, bring Tony McGuire back. Oh, my horrific childhood was already is ruined even I more. I hate that more than anything. I, I hate that. And it's like, why can't we just be grateful that we're getting Spider-Man in a, any form in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie? Why, is, why is that not enough? This is why we're not allowed to have nice things. Right. And I it's mean, like, come on. I mean, a, a couple of bl- black stripes on the arm and on the leg, and that's what you're going to focus on? This yeah. is the Ditko Stan Lee yeah. Spider-Man suit, basically. Yeah. It's the animated series yeah. Spider-Man suit, other than a couple of minor changes. It's like It was like the first time they unveiled... The Captain America suit back on the fir- in the first adventure. Yeah, it's the Captain America suit with a couple of modifications as yep. we've gone along. It looks great, and yeah, of course it's going to be CG. Come on, yeah, was, he's a, I'm sorry, just come you can't, on. You can't really have an acrobatic. Well, I mean, look at Deadpool for example. Deadpool had a lot of things where he's twisting and turning and jumping in the air, and yeah. you can clearly see that CG. But why is it different for Spider-Man? Why? I understand that, you know, people have to realize we don't live in the Sam Raimi 2001-2002 Spider-Man era anymore. You know, CG is being used a lot more because now, especially with Spider-Man, he has a lot more very gymnastic moves that you just can't do. I'm sorry. Right. Remember how many uh, short Instagram videos Tom Holland puts up of him doing backflips? There's still certain moves you can't. A, a person's only so limited to. It's Spider-Man, okay? And yeah. that, that's all you should need to know. If you go back to past shows, you've heard me say this a thousand times. So I'll make it a thousand and one. It's 2016, okay? Yeah. CG is available to be used as a tool to make and, things look a little better. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you use it? And people don't realize like, this is where. Okay, I'm gonna drop some film school knowledge on a lot of people. CG is the last thing to get rendered in any movie whatsoever. Remember the Jurassic World trail, the first one? People were complaining, oh, the right. doors look terrible, right. the CG looks bad. What happened? They fixed everything. This is you know? why post-production takes as long as it does. Yeah, and okay? people are saying, and that's the thing, is, you know, people are saying, 
oh, you're telling me the movie comes out in like three months, but you're telling me that they don't have the rendering done for CG? Yes, I'm telling you that because... Zack Snyder went on Twitter and, and said a couple weeks ago that they were almost done with Batman vs. Superman, yeah. <laughs> and it comes out in two weeks. So, yeah, yeah that should tell you something. You know, it, it's just, people just don't realize how technology works. And I think it, it's part of this whole, we want now, like we want our entertainment now. We want Spider-Man to be fully rendered now. You know, we want this to right. be now. But overall, the trailer looks great. Like, like I, I got to admit, when they're watching the trailer, it shows, you know, the Civil War banner. And then Tony goes, okay. And he says, all right. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's yep. going to happen. Right when he says, all right. I'm like, cause, and I just saw it. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I just woke up you know, a few hours ago and I'm looking at the trailer and I'm just like, Oh, this is okay. You know, I'm still a little groggy or whatever. And I'm like, also, oh, like, okay, they showed a banner. It's going to be it. You know, there's no Spider-Man. And also I'm like, wait a minute, there's still like 10 seconds, yeah. 20 seconds left. And then the whole, where is the underoos? And you see the thwip and you see the, the webbing. I got to tell you, the webbing looks good too. Like It, it looks really like does. legit webbing. Are we going to get the web shooters, or is it going to be the coming out of the wrist? Web- we're we're gonna, we don't know that for sure. No, I think we're going to get the web shooters. I think Which I'm fine with. I'm fine well, with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that as well. <laughs> but, well, uh, you know, it's just one more thing that people are going to complain about, because you've yeah. always got one on one side, one on the other side. So, uh, just, you know. Okay, so I think, you know, we, we talked about the trailer enough to a certain extent. Uh, quickly, as we do with all our trailers, what's one thing you expect? What's one thing you fear? One thing that I fear is that even though this isn't going to be nearly as many characters as as uh, the Infinity War is going to be, is that somebody's going to get lost in the shuffle, and I hope it's not somebody important to focus on a certain character. So that's one of my fears. What I want to see is, I want to see them, I, you know, I don't mind if there's just a 20-25 minute just epic battle between the two groups. I'm not right. going to complain about it at all. I mean, sometimes, you know, we've we've been critical about stuff that there's too much action, not enough story. This is going to be the longest movie ever for the Marvel Cinematic yep. Universe. There's going to be plenty of story. So if they want to devote 25 minutes to a half an hour to them just beating each other to death, I'm fine with that because I think it's going to look awesome. So that's something I almost kind of want to see. The one thing I, I fear is that, again, we mentioned it earlier with Crossbones, is that I don't want the villains in this to kind of fall to the wayside. I understand the main story is between... Cap and Tony and their factions, pretty much. But in the end, you have to have kind of a, a string master, you know, a puppet right. master pulling the strings. And I hope that person doesn't get, whether it's Crossbones or whomever else, I don't want them to get lost in the shuffle. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I'm looking forward to, again, Spider-Man's in there. Uh, I'm actually more interested in seeing if he becomes Iron Spider in this. I, I'm interested in seeing if, you know, of course, the first time we're more likely going to see him is... On that air, on that base, when he makes that introduction, where he's in the regular costume, but I wonder: is it after that fight where you know it might, that might be like a quick five ten minute brawl, where maybe the final fight he'll get the Iron Spider costume for helping out Stark? Maybe that would be pretty interesting if they decided to go that route. I also want to see if one of the end credit scenes sets up where they're going to be going with Spider-Man as well. I wanted to throw that in there, because you know there's going to be end credit scenes. Right. Are we going to see where they're going to go from here, because we've got solo Spider-Man movies coming out and other things as well. So are we going to get an end credit scene to tell get, tell us what direction, at least, they're thinking about going? I think for the end credits, let's, you know, let's, let's take a guess on what we'll see for end credits. I'm guessing for end credits, I'm guessing that it's either going to be something with Doctor Strange 
Or I think it's going to be Thanos maybe getting a, getting a stone. I think it's going to be Thanos probably getting a stone in Infinity Gauntlet or maybe two stones. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see something that sets up, like you said, Doctor Strange or even Thor Ragnarok. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if something tees there because we're not going to see Thor in this movie. And they're going to cover that, I'm sure, and tell you a reason why. And maybe they'll reset at the end in an end credit scene. Okay, here's where Thor was, even though right. we know... But, you know, they've got to set it up for their next slate of movies coming out. So I wouldn't be surprised to see either one. Right, right. Again, or it could be maybe you remember in the last one with, with Thor, Dark World, Loki pretty much takes over Odin. Yep. And, and you know, maybe it's something with Loki again. Yep, Who knows? But that's going to do it with our breakdown of the new Captain America Civil War trailer. We're both heavily excited. I mean, I, I'm really excited for Spider-Man. He's my second favorite uh, behind, right behind Deadpool, in terms of my favorite comic book characters, uh, I, I, great job. And I'm not, not going to lie, I'm really excited for, for Tom Holland. I think just with the voice itself, it feels like Spider-Man. I know it's only a couple of seconds we see him, but that's you know that's good. I'm down with the look, and and I'm still you know it's too early for me to tell on Tom Holland, but the look. I'm sold on the look, so I'm, I'm excited for that, and I can go from there. Exactly, but again, that's going to do it for our breakdown of the trailer. But come up next, we have a plethora of nerd news. A big name left the project. Another big name is joining one in the DC Universe. Who are they? What projects are they? Stick around. We're Down Nerdy Podcast. Come up next. Hey, guys. This is Dexter Darden from the Maze Runner series, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, nerds, it's time to let that symbiote take over your entire body because it's time for what, James? Nerd news! We are venom. And the reason why I say that is because, well, there's been news that, hey, Sony is planning to revive its one scrap plans for its own venom film. Now, there is some differences this time around. Of course, the venom film is going to be in a separate universe from Tom Holland's Venom movie. So, James, what do you think about this? Um, my first question, I guess, is as much as people love Venom, and he's probably maybe started the whole anti-hero movement in comics, arguably, is this a strong enough character to carry his own movie? I mean, they've got Dante Harper, who's going to write the new script uh, since they've decided to bring this back. And like you said, it's not going to be part of any Spider-Man universe that's from the MCU or even Sony. So I guess it's like, okay, that's fine, but where do you go? And are you, are you going to have an antagonist or a protagonist? There's a lot of question marks that go into this right off the top of my head anyway. Right, well, I mean, the question, of course, is, you know, as you mentioned, antagonist. Is it going to be him going against a Carnage-type character or some other person? So you can't have Spider-Man in there because it's separate from Tom Holland. Of course, you're not going to recast Spider-Man in this movie. No, of course not. But, I mean, is it going to be like him versus the army? Is he going to be kind of a hunted, a wine man? Could it be, you know, again, er, you know, I don't know what it could be. Maybe they bring John Bernthal a puncher in. I don't know what could happen, but it kind of But then there's a slippery intrigue. slope. There's a slippery exactly. slope there, though, because so, then you're talking exactly. about the MCU again. Exactly. Uh, could it be an alternate universe? We don't know. And the question is, too, is they're. I think they're going to go Eddie Brock on this one only because, I mean, we're kind of seeing like with DC's movies and the CW kind of thing where – they don't like mixing and matching characters, so I don't think you're going to see a Flash Thompson who's going to more likely be in a Spider-Man movie, uh, albeit being a, a younger kid, to the adult Flash Thompson Space Knight. You know, I think they're going to get, go the Eddie Brock route. I prefer the Eddie Brock route. I think Eddie Brock, I think, is the perfect Venom. He's my favorite Venom mm. uh, of everybody. Uh, in terms of this movie, we'll see what happens. You know, 
now that it's going to, I think the reason why they're doing this kind of as a, this isn't in the same Tom Holland Spider-Man universe is because I think maybe they're, they're aiming, they might aim for an R rating. We don't know. Yeah. And I'd be okay with that. Especially if, I mean, if they're going to go the carnage route, I'd be really okay with that. And I, and I agree. I think that, uh, Eddie Brock's probably the right way to go as well. He's definitely the more evil, the more aggressive, Venom than than Flash Thompson's Venom was so especially if you're not right. going to make him full on hero mode like they have in some stories, I just I don't know it's just it's hard because I want to see a Venom movie, you want to see a Venom movie. There's plenty of people that listen to the show that want to see a Venom movie, but again, as much as some nerds hate to admit it, we've got to think about we've got to think general public here as well. This has got to make money, and I think Deadpool's a perfect example. Now, the Hollywood Reporter did not say whether or not they were going to go for an R rating or not when they broke the story. Right. We'll find out. But Deadpool's a perfect example. That R rating, first of all, worked for because it's Deadpool. Second of all, that movie appealed to the general public greatly. Would a Venom movie do the same? And that's my concern. Exactly. We'll see. We'll see. Because, you know, again, it's Venom, so it's like, who can he really go up against? What will the main plot be of that kind right. of his own film? Seeing how it's not going to have Spider-Man in it, it's going to be separate. Of course, Dante Harper is being tasked to write a new script for the movie. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. And it's, it's intriguing overall. Like I said, Venom is uh, probably my favorite. No, he's my second favorite behind Carnage, uh, Spider-Man villain. Uh, in, in the franchise. So, again, we'll see how this turns out. But something that's turned out, James, in a negative way, heading towards uh, DC Comics and, and Warner Brothers especially, is that, you know, they had the Sandman movie that's planned. You know, of course, they had Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, Jack Thorne on it, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, Joseph Gordon-Levitt now leaving Sandman over pretty much a problem with, I won't say it didn't mean disrespected, but I kind of got that kind of feeling because this was a movie that was under the Warner Brothers shield. And then, of course, what happened? Warner Brothers announces and DC announces, hey, all of our Vertigo titles are going to go to the imprint studio New Line. And, then, of course, his departure, which raises my eyebrows, I know it does yours as well, dude, comes a day after they hire a horror writer to come on for the Sandman, Eric Heiser, and he worked on Nightmare on Elm Street and The Thing. So I think he saw that JGL did. I'm not speaking for him, but I think he saw the hiring of Heisner and the whole of them going to New Line as a sign of disrespect, and hence why he left. Um, I think that was probably part of it. I think that, remember when they announced the whole thing with all the Vertigo movies were going to be New Line and DC was going to be Warner Brothers because they wanted to make sure everybody got equal attention. When that story broke months ago, the impression was, now nobody ever actually said this, but the impression was is that all the Vertigo movies from here on out were mm-hmm. going to be on New Line, and that Sandman was exempt from that because it was announced previous to this happening. So maybe that was part of the deal, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt thought that was part of the deal, and then they said, okay, this is going to be under New Line anyway, and then he felt like, okay, so now we're changing that, so now we're not going to be with Warner Brothers, and then I think, really, the straw that broke the camel's back was hiring this writer. I yeah. really do. I, I think he looked yeah. at that and said... This is not the kind of... Because to me... Now, I'm not a Sandman aficionado, okay? But to Mm. me, it's not a straight horror story. No. No, and again, you have Neil Gaiman there, you have David Gore and Jack Thorne. So, like, again, JGL was pretty much just like, hey, we had this great team, and then all of a sudden it got messed up because you want to bring this person in there. And, you know, again, going back to Deadpool, what made Deadpool so successful? The fact that Fox said, you want to make this movie? Okay, do what you want to do, 
We're going to have no hand in it whatsoever. And Here's that was a budget, risk. And that was a risk. It paid off. Yes, big so, time. So now I understand Sandman isn't Deadpool, but if you're Warner Brothers, why wouldn't you take that same risk? Say, you know what? We have the creator here. You have Gaiman here. We have Goyer and Jack Thorne and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, all phenomenal people. Why would you say, you know what? We trust you. Here's your budget. Do the story you want to do. I don't understand this at all, why they would get very, you know, well, uh, involved as, as it looks. Remember what we talked about when we were talking about Deadpool and when you have a passion project, when you've got people like Ryan Reynolds right. who are attached to this, that it was a passion project for them and what they put together was a passion project. And you got the impression that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had a huge passion for the Sandman and the Neil Gaiman story. As a matter of fact, if you look on Twitter... Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Neil Gaiman going back and forth with each other saying, hey, we've got to get together and work on something at some point down the road. Sorry that this thing didn't work out. So I think that he has a great respect for the story. And to have him involved in that, I think would have been great. Now you bring in somebody else from the outside who it's it's almost like, okay, one half wanted to tell one story. Right. But then the studio looked at that and said, "Uh, I don't know if people will go for that. So we're going to change it a little bit and we're going to have this guy do it. And I'm just not sure. To me, that's what really happened here. They Joseph Gordon-Levitt said, hey, if that's the story you want to tell, that's not a true adaptation, I'm out. So that's my biggest concern. Well, remember, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's very... I mean, this is a guy who really, really loves film because, I mean, he does a whole hit record series. You know, he's he started a whole hit record movement. And he really is passionate about filmmaking and its process. And I think somebody coming in and, and pretty much saying, hey, we're going to bring this writer in, you know, and like I said, he left the day after. It wasn't like it was a week or two weeks or a month. It was the day after Heisler yeah. got hired. Yeah. So that's when you're like, oh, he didn't like the hire, so he left. And it's fine. Like, I understand. It's, and that's the thing. is, It's how Hollywood works. You have, a, you have a vision. Somebody disagrees with it. They want to bring somebody in to do it. You know, it's like, you know, somebody came in and said, okay, you guys have your show, but we want to bring in a third mic. We want to bring in somebody, and it would mess up what you felt was a good chemistry between two original hosts. You know I mean, what I'm look saying? at look at the Ant-Man drama from, from last year where they had all that turmoil over who was going to be doing yeah. Ant-Man. And, yeah. I mean, that ended up working out. Ant-Man ended up being a pretty good movie. But that's the kind of stuff that can happen, especially like Edgar Wright being like, you know what, never mind, I'm out. Yeah. You know, so, and, and that kind of stuff is going to happen. I'm not saying that this is going to be a bad movie. I don't know. I haven't seen anything about it yet. I haven't seen a trailer, a synopsis, nothing. So I don't know if it's going to be a bad movie or not. All I'm saying is is that the cards are all there saying something's not right here. And Neil Gaiman pretty much has no choice. Neil Gaiman has to stay attached. This is his story, you know? Yeah. Although Neil Gaiman also said on Twitter, he doesn't own Sandman. Right. That DC and Vertigo does. And people are like, well, how come you don't own it? And he's like, hey, I was a young guy. I thought this was the right thing to do at the time. So they own it, not me. I just created it and write it. So I think it's at, at the same time, he wants to stay on board no matter what to make sure this is at least somewhat true to the, to his baby that he gave birth to all those years ago. Right. And, you know, moving to our final story, something that wasn't true to the comics, of course, was the Fantastic Four reboot, which had Miles Teller. Now, why do I bring up Miles Teller? Because he was in Whiplash with J.K. Simmons. And I got to tell you, watching uh, J.K. Simmons slap the hell out of Mr. Fantastic, and we both seen the scene, I showed you it the other night, was so fun. But now knowing that he's been growing a mustache and taking over the GCPD in the Justice League movie, as Commissioner Gordon, J.K. Simmons is, I'm excited. Man, when I saw the Hollywood Reporter break this story, I 
flipped out. Because, of course, you knew that they were going to cast Commissioner Gordon in one of these DC movies eventually. And Justice League, kind of a surprise they cast him in that. Not for one second did I think that J.K. Simmons, who's an Oscar winner for Whiplash, like you said, was even on the radar for this. So when they announced that he was going to be Commissioner Gordon, I lost it because I love J.K. Simmons. Well, here's the thing is that J.K. Simmons has always been the guy for a long time. Of course, he's the voice of the yellow M&M for a while. I think he still is now. Uh, you know, he's a farmer's insurance commercials, but in terms of movies, he was the dad in Juno, of course, J. Joan Jameson and Spider-Man didn't really have a lot of major roles. Of course, he was in Oz. He played a great, you know, he, a great role in Oz. I mean, my God, was he diabolical. Law and that. Order. He was the, Law and he, Order. Yeah, he was on that. He was in that and he was very good in that as well. Exactly. But to see him take this role as Commissioner Gordon, I think it's kind of a, a 180. I think it's a, a role we maybe not have ever seen him in before. You know what I'm saying? And, I'm excited for this. Again, he's an Oscar winner. I'm trusting that he's going to do a great job in this. And, again, th- this just goes to show that DC is like, okay, we are so – this has to work so much. Look who we're getting. We're getting Ben Affleck. We're getting Gal Gadot. We're, you know, we're getting Zack Snyder and his director. We're getting you know J.K. Simmons just to play uh, Commissioner Gordon. They're going after big names. Jared Leto, you know, uh, Margot Robbie, Will Smith. They're going after the plethora – of big name actors and say, right. you know what, guys? Not saying Marvel's not doing it, but I mean, look at where they who they got. Like they had, Tony, you know, they had Robert Downey Jr. when he was really in a a uh, near the what people were going to thought was going to be the end of his career because of his problems off screen. Uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, you know, people who were there but you never really thought of. J.K. Simmons has kind of been in the forefront with a lot of projects. Granted, a lot of his movie roles have been more second banana, third third person, whatever. You know, character up until Whiplash, but I'm just so glad that he's. We're gonna see him grow the stash out and just have you know this this take on Commissioner Gordon. And with every cast from DC, you, it just shows you what they're gonna do. They're gonna go dark. They're gonna go dramatic. They're gonna go very serious. And all the roles that they've cast up to this point point to that direction. If that's not your thing, that's what they're doing. Okay, yeah. they're they're being the anti Marvel. They're gonna make a different kind of movie and i still think that that is the way to go that is the way that they're going to craft their universe and some people aren't going to like it just because of that now there's going to be some lighter sides just like there's some darker sides to some marvel movies everybody's going to have their you got to balance it out but dc is going to lean lean heavier on the dramatic and the darker thing and i think casting jk simmons as commissioner commissioner gordon it just puts light on that. And can you imagine what the interactions are going to be like between J.K. Simmons and Ben Affleck? Oh, I'm expecting first scene he throws a drum kit at him. I mean, it looks like Batman's going to be the one that gets smacked in the face this time, right, Robin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you rushing or dragging in the Batmobile? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Count the thruster boost. One, two, three. One, two, three. You're rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference. <laughs> You're crying all over your Batarang. Stop it. Oh, oh, geez. Are you one of those single-tier superheroes, vigilantes? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Here you are, slobbering all over your bat, your bat symbol and my bat signal. And my police and my police commission here. Yeah, here my you police are, station. You're just crying all over my police desk. <laughs> Man, I'm just I'm just excited, and I and I know that you know you're thinking, okay, why is this in the Justice League movie? And that's actually a good point. Why cast Commissioner Gordon in the Justice League movie? Does that tell you anything about who the villain might be for the Justice League? Are we gonna be spending a lot of time in Gotham here. 
I don't know. It might be a, a mixture. I think I think Justice League. I think we're spending time in Gotham, Metropolis, and in the Amazon from Scarra with Wonder Woman. So uh, we'll see. You know what we don't know. I mean, I think it's are they still right? No, they're getting ready to film it, aren't they? Yeah, they're getting ready to start. I think in in April, which is not too far off. So I think they're going to be starting filming that. I mean, they're filming Wonder Woman right now. I don't know if they're actually wrapped on that or not. We'll check on that. But they're definitely starting Justice League at least pre production in April. So yeah, this is happening. But uh, that's <laughs> uh, can you imagine him? And I now I want to see that skit where it's just him. He's it's like the scene from Whiplash was called like Batarang or something like that. You know, and it's just Batman like playing this a drum is... kit or just throwing how to throw a Batarang. No, no. See, this has Jimmy Kimmel written all over it. Oh yeah, this has Jimmy Kimmel show written all over it. This is kind of a bit that he would do on that show between the two of them. I I could see it happening. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we'll get maybe, maybe they'll do it in a in a uh, in a blooper scene or something. Put it on the on the R-rated Blu-ray extra that they're gonna put out. I don't know. I, either, either way, I'd be cool with that. Well, that's gonna do it for Nerd News. Become next. We have an Inhuman that's coming on set right now in the studio. Of course, we're talking about Luke Mitchell from Marvel's Agents of Shield. He plays Lincoln, and guess what? We're gonna talk to him about the premiere and everything about Marvel's Agents of Shield. Come up next. Hey listeners, this is Peter Shinkoda from Daredevil. I play Nobu, and you are listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, with the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns a brand new kind of chapter for the Inhumans. Of course, we've got Secret Warriors coming up, and we're very excited to have one of the Inhumans extraordinaire, Luke Mitchell. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, you're very welcome. So, Luke, what has it been like gearing up for the uh, for the premiere? Um... It's it's really exciting, uh, mainly because we're so far ahead in filming that it's going to be great to actually see um, where where we're at. You know, like in terms of you know where where we last left off. You know, like uh, because we're we're geez, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to tell you how far ahead we are, but we're you know we're a long way ahead in terms of story. So I'm just kind of excited to get back in there and watch it as an audience member myself. Absolutely. And one of the things I think the show has done very well is how the human storylines really kind of evolved from last season and into this season. So how kind of exciting mm-hmm. is it for you to come back and take it to the next level with the Secret Warriors story? Oh, it's so cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, last season was really just the introduction for the whole Inhuman thing. And um, this season, yeah, it's really stepping up, um, especially this back half of the season where... Uh, I think we've made a couple of announcements recently. I think I'm allowed to talk about it, but, uh, you know, uh, I may not be. Um, there's, there's some really cool comic book characters coming in, some good guys and some bad guys. You know, I mean, obviously we teased at the start of the season that this was, you know, that introducing the Secret Warriors and mm-hmm. it's, you know, a slow burn and, and all that sort of stuff. But, and I know I'm not, you know, uh, I play an inhuman, but I'm not, uh, I'm not playing a comic book character myself. It's, you know, I'm, I, I play Lincoln, who's, a, you know, he created especially for the MCU. But it's just rad to be in there with with these guys and, you know, and seeing some of these character, comic book characters come to life. It's it's really, really cool. When I think of Lincoln, the term adapting comes to mind, you know, with everything that's happened to him from the event at the Inhuman Sanctuary to being hunted by Lash, etc., where is his mindset right now, and will we see those kind of past traumas play a role with Lincoln going further? Absolutely. Um, the, that's the thing about those past traumas. They don't really go away, do they? No. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be delving into that a little bit more. Um, uh, right now, I think Lincoln's pretty happy to be a, 
a part of something, um, you know, that, that, you know, where he, where he feels safe, you know, even though primarily he's there because of Daisy, you know, and he's, he's doing his best to, you know, to be a part of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but it's really for Daisy's sake. And, you know, it, it, as part of a bigger picture, it's really the only place he can be right now because if, if he's not part of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's, you know, he's hunted and he's hated. So, right. um I, th- I think moving forward, well, I know moving forward, there's going to be um, a lot of conflict uh, with Lincoln being in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and as you said, that past trauma will catch up with him sooner than later. I mean, it's definitely been kind of a shaky relationship, especially since Lincoln started as Daisy's mentor when she finally first started discovering her inhuman powers. So now mm-hmm. that things have kind of changed a little bit, with Lincoln kind of trying to acclimate into S.H.I.E.L.D. reluctantly, could we start to see kind of a role reversal with his relationship with Daisy as he kind of goes through that? Oh, absolutely. The shoe's definitely on the other foot now. Um, and, you know, he's, 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 he's the student. He's got to learn all these things. He's got to learn some new skills. He's got to... He's got to figure out what his role is, you know, in um, being a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, because, obviously, uh, he can't be with Daisy 24-7. You know, she's got a role to play in S.H.I.E.L.D. And so when she's doing her thing and it doesn't involve him, well, what does he do? <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, there's a bit... Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it makes it makes it really interesting. It, it certainly... Um, uh, create further conflict, which is uh, obviously great dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody's tuning in. We're talking to Luke Mitchell, of course, from Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. It airs Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on ABC. So, Luke, your quote is saying, I think every character I play definitely has parts of me. I can't ever play as someone that's completely different to me. What makes Lincoln a part of you and vice versa? Oh, good question. I think he he's searching for um, you know a, he wants to be a part of something bigger. And I guess I'm I'm a big family guy. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's probably the the the, big, the biggest similarity between us. Um, there's a lot of differences. Um, this this might be um, the biggest stretch uh, for me. This character um, he's got a, he's got some anger issues, and it's really interesting for me to play because anger's. Uh, me and anger do not go hand in hand. I just, I'm not an angry person. I'm like the least angry person you'll ever meet in your life. And so any, anytime you see a scene where I'm, where I have to get angry, uh, just know that that was really difficult for me. Oh, wow. Well, of course, we're talking to Luke Mitchell from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who plays Lincoln, who you said was actually created for the MCU, which, of course, we knew. So, speaking of the MCU, if you could have Lincoln go head-to-head with any villain from the Marvel Universe, who would it be and why? Oh. Any villain from the Marvel Universe? Holy crap. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, look, this is, this is just too much fun. Um, let's go someone crazy like, uh, why am I, I'm thinking Spider-Man villain for some reason. Um, I don't know, Green Goblin or, uh, Venom would be really cool. Um, mainly I'm, I'm just thinking as a, as a nerd, you know, I just want to see this happen myself, you know, not mm-hmm. for any, not from a character's perspective because these guys, yeah, these guys are pretty, pretty hardcore, but, uh, I just like to see these guys come to life. Probably Venom. Yeah. I'm just waiting for that call. What Marvel gives you. Cause you know, they're doing a Spider-Man movie and they're saying, Hey Luke, um, we need Lincoln to take on there you go. whoever in this movie. Go. There you <laughs> and go. Your dream comes true. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so here's I think, uh, here's, no, I think Lincoln would be a little nervous at the prospect. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a weird question. If the electricity went out and you could only power up one item at home with your inhuman power, what would it be and why? Ooh. Well, it's got to be... Oh. Look, it depends on whether I've eaten food or not. Because if I haven't eaten food, then I might have to power up the microwave. Um, <laughs> but if I've eaten food, then, you know, it's got to be the television. So I can just, you know, at least uh, you know, watch something past the time um, before the electricity does come back on. <laughs> hey, that's what I would pick, too. So I don't blame you yeah. there at all. <laughs> Got to ask you a question going back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a second. There's been a lot of talk among fans about Grant Ward and his evolution, especially mm-hmm. from the fall finale, as kind of like mm-hmm. one of those bad guys you can never seem to eliminate. So do you think it's kind of helped the show to have a villain like that, someone that either people hate or really love to hate? Absolutely. I think um, I think he's a great villain. Um, and I can't wait for people to see um, what happens. Uh, I think this, what happens with... Um, well, with Brett's character, I'll say that um, because I guess technically Ward's dead. It's it's kind of um, a game changer. Um, it's really scary and exciting, and um, Brett does such a great job. And I just I've I've read all the scripts, and I haven't seen all of what he's done, but I've seen I've seen some things, and it's very very cool. Um, and I'm very very excited about it. So, Luke, before we let you go, man, where can people find you on social media, bud? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, on Twitter, I'm it's just uh, at Luke Mitchell with two underscores at the end. Um, and I think on Instagram it's at Luke Mitchell 17. Um, and I'm not on anything else. So that's, that's kind of it. And that's quite all right, because you can definitely find Luke on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tuesdays at 9 o'clock on ABC. We're looking so forward to the Secret Warriors and find out more about Lincoln. It's Luke Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. So, James, you know how Constantine is known for having that business card of his? Yep. Well, what if Lincoln had a business card that said, Lincoln, Inhuman, Shield Agent, Thunder God? I like that. I like that. It has a certain flair to it, certain pizzazz. It certainly beats Lincoln, Inhuman, Shield Agent, Electrician. Yeah, or Link, or Lincoln, Shield Agent. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, but it was really cool getting ready, getting to catch up with Luke Mitchell talking about Agents of Shield midseason premiere, of course, which just happened this past week, and we're finally getting into the Secret Warriors. We, you know, we've seen the show. We got introduced to Yo Yo this week, which is really yep. cool, and it looks like the whole he does the whole I'm gonna stick around thing. I'm like, all right, like, all right, him and Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was fun. I mean, Ward, you know, we, we see he's going to be uh, Hive, and we kind of see that, you know, hey, is he starting to shed that Ward skin of his? And slowly but surely, we're going to see Hive in full form. We don't know. But, you know, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, at first we were kind of like, if you're like, ah, you know, I'm not a fan of how, what they're doing with Ward and why, how it's still Ward. But now at the end of the episode where it shows like, Part of his skin is coming off, and he looks like we don't know if it's like is it him, you know, getting rid of it? Is him doing a power? We don't know, but it brings intrigue. And you're like, okay, I've, I'm looking at him. I'm not. I know it's Ward's body, but it's mm. not Ward. I'm totally cool with this. Like it was, and and the thing is, the show's premiere title is called Bouncing Back, and I felt like it did, especially after a three month hiatus. Yes. 
And not only that, we've got one side collecting in humans. You've got the other side recruiting. Yeah. You got the other side recruiting in humans. And I'm just waiting for some epic battle in the finale or something to happen because it just seems like it's like we're teasing that. It's like it's coming. You know it's coming. And then each week, I think we're going to get that. We're going to see, okay, yeah. what in humans are we going to see and who's going to compile the secret warriors and stuff like that. So I'm actually excited for the direction that they're going with this now can i say that one human with the eyes he has the worst case of bedroom eyes ever he really does i mean that's not sexy at all i'm sorry it's not it's really not you know i mean you look i mean i understand you know a person with a stone cold look but i mean you can give somebody rigor mortis just by looking at them that's not good this is what (laughs) happens when you meet somebody on match you look at their profile and then you show up and they look nothing like their picture remember kids make sure it's before you swipe right on tinder just looking who they are make sure it's not uh somebody who can kill you with a single stare pretty much or or paralyze you might want to read that description Yeah. What do I like to do for fun? I like to paralyze people just by looking at them. I yeah. swipe right. You know, if you say, hey, Tim, I'm 38 years old and I like staring closely into people's eyes, be very careful because I might be that guy. Yeah, looking longingly might be the last look you ever get <laughs> yeah. with this guy. So just keep exactly. that in mind. Exactly. But again, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Downery Podcast. Again, we thank Luke Mitchell for coming on, talking. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with us. Again, it's a, it's a great show. They're really doing marvelous things with this. I didn't mean to say that, even though it's Marvel. Uh, just find out <laughs> a Tuesday at 9 o'clock. You'll be good. Exactly. And again, the whole Inhumans thing, I like how they're, they're building upon that and how we're going away from Hydra, really. And it's more just, it's going to be Inhuman Civil War, pretty much. Yeah, and, it's like Hydra, but not Hydra. Kind well, of thing. well, remember, like Lincoln pretty much said, it's like he said, you know, in the show... He's like, there's like two, we're supposed to be counting the balance. We're supposed to be a yin and yang kind of thing. You know, it's not like, you know, they weren't really given to us. We were born this way because it's yin and yang. There's good people, there's good in humans, there's bad in humans, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. But again, we're also all all over social media. Just be sure to check us out. Facebook.com slash down nerdy. We're also on Twitter at down nerdy 757 on Instagram as well at down nerdy 757. I'm at Merc with one arm on the Twitter, Mr. Witham. I'm at James Ace Witham. That's W-I-T-H-A-M on Twitter. And you can always find out all this information, by the way, by going to our website, downandnerdypodcast.com. We've got a full description on the This Week section. tells you everything that we've got going on on the show. Plus, you know, you heard what we were reading earlier. Find out what else we're reading. We've got two written reviews on the website. Nick does one. I do one. We do two new comics each week. So in total, you're going to get four reviews a week before you head out to your local shop so you don't have to buy a bad comic. Don't buy bad comics. Read our reviews first, and then you'll find out what you should be going to get and what you shouldn't be going to get. Exactly. For example, this week, James wrote about the final issue of Boom Studios' Snowblind, and I did issue 34 of Saga from Image Comics. Go on our website, Downary Podcast. Read our reviews, let us know what you think about them, and hopefully they lead you to some great decisions in your comic book reading. But again, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next week on Down and Nerdy Podcast. And as always, press safe comic book reading, always beg and board your comics.